Might, might help if I turned it on. Uh, good morning to everyone. I want to start off by asking how are you doing on your new, new Year resolutions? Maybe you just haven't started yet. That's okay. If you haven't started, it's still January. If you've already finished them, uh, it's not too late to get back going again. So uh, we'll try that. Maybe this week with all that's happened uh, this week, between snow and ice and rain and all those kind of things, maybe you got threw off a little bit. Uh, maybe it gave you a chance to get going. But uh, before we get started uh, this morning, let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come to you, we thank you for this day. With the, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you. We thank you for. Uh, the word that we've already received, and dear Father, we ask that you would help us to leave here determined to do it. Uh, dear Father, as we open uh, the book of James and and talk about um, the words that you have for us today, we ask that you would also help help us to receive them. Sometimes we know that when our will conflicts with what you've told us, uh, there's there's stress and, and anxiety there. Help us each day to be able to receive it and then turn around and be different people. And it's through your son's saying that we pray. Amen. Hiram and I did not get together and plan uh, the lesson again, but it seems like the last several weeks there's several of these themes that both Neil and Hiram have covered that go right in line uh, with what we're studying. And last week, uh, even Sunday night, Neil used some of what we were studying. And today, Hiram used some of what we're studying. And so um, I think it's uh, interesting, the coincidence there of how these things are lining up. Um, we, we basically got down um, to verse 19, so I won't review any. We're just going to dive right in because I feel like I've been behind and I would like to catch up, but we certainly don't want to skip over anything. Uh, we got down to three qualities uh, needed in trials, three qualities needed in trials. And, you know, we've talked about there's trials that we cause uh, because of our desires, our sins, and then there's other trials that we fall into. And I think these three qualities are um, relevant uh, to both kinds of trials. But let's uh, dive in and read verses 19 through 27. Do I have someone that can read that uh, or will read that for us? I appreciate uh, the reading of that, and uh, these are uh, sometimes tough things to hear, but three qualities needed in trials that are shared with us in verse 19 is, uh, first of all, let every person, not just some of us, let every person uh, be quick to hear, and then slow to speak, and slow to wrath, or slow to anger. So... Why would James put these three tips down uh, that we need these tips and trials? Why, why these three things? 
Let's look at the first one. Be quick to hear. Why should we be quick to hear in a trial, in a struggle? All right. Why, why is listening the most important thing? We, we learn. Sometimes in a trial we need to listen. Sometimes we might have caused it ourselves. But sometimes somebody else has been there and has gotten through that trial and has good advice uh, for us that we need to listen. Sometimes it's a trial because we haven't been there before. If, if we've been there before, is it really a trial? It, it may be a struggle, but we may know how to handle that one because we've been through that one before. But the, the trials that really get us and knock us to our knees are the ones we haven't been through before. And what's helpful? It's helpful to listen and to learn from those that have been there before, that have gone through those things and have learned those things. We need to listen. We need to open our ears and, and hear those things. Sometimes it's a trial that we've caused ourselves, and we're doing the same thing over and over, and we're digging ourselves a deeper hole, and sometimes we need to listen. Sometimes we need to open our ears and, and hear advice uh, from others. So I think James's advice here uh, that when we're in a trial to be swift to hear or quick to hear there is, is good advice. Second, he tells us to be slow to speak. In a trial, why would that be good advice? Okay, isn't that what's common? Sometimes when we're in the middle of a trial... <laughs> We say something we'll regret or we're just quick to fire off because we're in the middle of trial. We're anxious about it. We're, we're uh, are focused on that trial. Sometimes we're understanding of someone who's going through a trial and, and they maybe say something they don't really mean uh, because we know they're, they're going through that trial. But James's advice is to be slow to speak. And I think it's good advice, and the reason why he's saying that is because it is common for us to open our mouths where we shouldn't when we're going through a trial. Um, sometimes we're, we're frustrated with the trial. We're frustrated that we're in the trial. And we sometimes just spout off um, and say something that we wouldn't normally say if we weren't going through uh, that trial, if we weren't under pressure. And then our third quality that, that's needed, uh, that James says, is be slow to wrath. Now, why in the world would James say that one in a trial? It, it's almost like the last one. Isn't it easy to get upset when we're under pressure, when we're under trial? Isn't it easy uh, to get there quickly? Um, I, I think... Most of us, when we're under stress and trials, that's when we do get upset. That's when it's easy for us to lose our temper. It's easy for us to be short with others when we're under all that pressure. And what's the first thing we say? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm right under all this pressure, and I spout it off when I shouldn't have. Um, James's advice right here is right on the money, and I think the reason for that is he is writing course under the guidance of the holy spirit to things that we all need we all need to hear these things and it's good advice and if um if we're in in the middle of a trial 
This verse 19 is one of the toughest to hear, one of the toughest to, to do, but if we'll do it, it will help us as we go through trials. It will help us hear the things we need to hear. And, and by the way, who, who do we need to hear in the middle of those uh, trials? God's Word. God's Word. Uh, we need to be open to hear, uh, like Hiram said, when we're struggling with something, let's study more on that topic. Let's let's read more on that topic, um, but also from other good people, and we have to be careful who we listen to, as well. Some people have not been there. They may mean well, but they have not been there. Uh, they may say words that they think are kind, but they haven't been there. Um, so let, let's be careful who we're listening to. Um, in that. So, absolutely. And, and James brings that up again uh, here in verse 26. And we're, we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper um, here in just just a minute. Um, and he, he also says in verse 20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, there's there's nothing healthy about the the anger of of man that does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes uh, we misinterpret um, Jesus overturning tables as a as a license uh, to get angry. And there's two different things there. We we have to be careful with that one. Uh, sometimes we we chalk that one up to a, a wide open opportunity to to be angry but here James tells us that the anger of man does not produce uh, the righteousness of God so then he gives us another set another set of three here Uh, and so I've done this last week uh, three steps to lay aside sin in the new year hopefully um, you know today Hiram talked about things to put on um, earlier in that passage were things, and he mentioned this at the first lesson, things to put off. And hopefully we've, our New Year's resolutions maybe or, or any time of year resolutions are, are both of those, things to put off and things to put on. But three, uh, three tips or three steps to lay aside uh, sin in the new year uh, the first uh, that is, is here is to lay aside uh, that sin. In verse 21, James, James 1, 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So our first step is to put away uh, those things, any filthiness in our life, any rampant uh, wickedness in our life, uh, to lay aside uh, that. Our second step is what we've already mentioned here is to uh, receive with meekness the implanted word. Now, why, why would we need to receive it with meekness? To accept it. And we're, we should be humbled that we're not perfect. Not, not a single one of us in this room are perfect. And so we, we need to be uh, humble in receiving it. Uh, to be able to uh, receive uh, that, that, hey, this word is talking about us here. 
We need to receive it. We shouldn't be prideful or, or try to turn a blind eye. And, and here a little bit later, he talks about looking into a mirror and turning her away. And if we're, if we don't receive it with meekness, it's like we're looking in a mirror, but then turning it away. Um, the, the word exposes us if we're humble about it, uh, exposes things that we need to improve. And so we're told here is to put away the, the filthiness, receive with meekness the implanted word. I think the, the term there, implanted word, is an interesting word. What, uh, what is that talking about? means we need to have it inside of us and plant that word inside of us where uh, when we're t- uh, tempted that we think of that word. We, uh, we, we're in the word so much that those words come to our mind when we're, when we're faced with temptation, when we're faced to do something that is against uh, what God's word is. We need to have it implanted um, uh, in our minds. And then the, the third thing there is to obey it, uh, but to be doers of uh, the word. And so verses 22 and 23, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently as natural face in a mirror, but he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, I don't spend too much time in front of a mirror, as y'all can tell. Um, may, maybe we should do that. But the, word, the idea here is to look and to not just turn away so quickly that we don't fix something that we're supposed to fix. That's the idea. That's the concept. To be doers of the word. <clears throat> and so here's the challenge. Uh, here's a challenge, and I, and I put ask the question uh, here. Um, was more important attending services or living daily as a Christian? What's more important? They both go together. It is a trick question. <laughs> it is a trick question. I'm not trying to uh, deceive you. They both go together. Uh, we do emphasize. Uh, attending services. We're told not to forsake the uh, services. So it is important for us to, uh, to come together for several reasons. Uh, one is alpha duty, uh, an obligation, and we, we may think that. Uh, but it's, it's also because we come together and we receive that encouragement to keep going. Uh, we receive that help. Uh, we come together as fellow Christians to receive that. And that's one of the tough parts about being in COVID when we're all virtual and, and maybe some are and there may be times when we have to uh, be uh, virtual or whatever uh, because of sickness or, or whatever it is but we should desire to come together to receive that encouragement and uh, not just for us to receive it but us to give it us to give encouragement to others and to reach out and encourage one another to help spread uh, the word uh, but if we come and we sit and and we listen and we show up and we say, I'm here, and we leave and we don't follow what's been taught, then we're deceiving ourselves. What does it mean by we're deceiving ourselves? We think we're okay. 
we think we're, we're just fine. We've shown up. I'm on the roll. I was there. I attended. That's part of it. But James says if that's all we do, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves to think that we're living as a Christian and we're not. So it's important that we do show up and that we do encourage one another, that we do worship, that we do attend the services. But if if we leave and we're not changed people and we don't do the word, we are deceiving ourselves. Let's turn to Matthew 7. And we'll, we'll look at what so, uh, many of our kids have learned in the lesson that we teach them in the song we sing that the wise man built his house on a rock. In the key part of this, in, in Matthew, uh, well, someone reads uh, Matthew seven twenty four to 27 there. Just jump in. So from... Our friend's perspective, the house looks the same. Maybe we come to services and, and everybody looks the same. Okay, yeah, I saw them there. So from externally, our, our houses look the same. But what's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? The foundation, and what does Jesus say is that difference in foundation? What, what's the difference there? What's the real difference between the first case and the second case? Okay. Uh, it's what it's built on, but the difference is doing the word. Those that hear these words of mine and does them, verse 24, the person who hears the words and does them is like the man who built on the rock. So the person that hears them and does not do them, verse 26, is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. Sometimes I think we interpret this passage as if we're attending the right church, if we're hearing the right things. And of course, you can't. Do the right things if you're not hearing the right things, and that's true. But the difference in the wise man and the foolish man is the person who leaves here and who does not do them or who does them. That's the difference. So where the rubber meets the road is not if we came and we heard and we look good to everybody else. The, the reality is... Did we leave here being changed people? Are we leaving here doing uh, doing the word? So the question is from Jesus' brother here is is saying, uh, are we leaving here doing and doing the word? So back in James, the important today uh, important thing is as we read the scripture and we view it. Are we remembering what we are like, verse 24? Or, verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perceives being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So we're told we'll be blessed if we will leave here, look into the uh, word, and then leave here, change, uh, change people. So that's our challenge, is to be real, 
and to do it. Yes. Well, it's also not something that, um, if you will, that we achieve. We never get there. And that shouldn't be a discouragement. It's, it's that it's an ongoing process. It's, it's an ongoing, uh, you know, concrete. Um, <clears throat> when you put, first pour it, it's, it's not hard. Matter of fact, it's, it's pretty soft when you first pour it. But the older it is, the stronger it is. And some of that old concrete <laughs> is, is really strong. Uh, some, some of that real old concrete. Um, and, and so in the Christian life, um, this is not something, okay, I made it. I got there. You know, I'm done. I made it. It's an ongoing process to become the type of people God wants us to be. Uh, he has uh, something in store. Paul indicated that, that, um, you know, he was trying to live, he was trying to be the type of person, but it was an ongoing process uh, for him uh, to, to keep getting stronger. Absolutely. He's a doer. He puts it... Puts the faith into action. So, uh, along those lines, James then goes into what's worthless or useless religion, and then what's pure religion. So, um, what's worthless or useless religion described by James is what? Isn't that interesting? Um, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's pretty strong. We, we don't want to dwell on that one too, too much. Um, but if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In other words, we can't just think we're a Christian and then fall off the handle and not bridle our tongue and say, well, that's just who I am. That's just how I was raised or that's, that's just who I am. <laughs> I may need to be up to a hundred. Who knows? But, uh, be patient and count. Um, and that's, uh, the counting is bridling our tongue. It's putting a bridle. It's, it's putting whatever we need to, to do there. Maybe it's to walk away. Maybe it's, uh, whatever technique we need, but it's a matter of bridling our tongue. Uh, that's, uh, and we're told if we don't do that, that our religion is worthless. So we're given here, uh, two pictures. One is worthless or useless religion. And then we're also given a, a picture here, what's pure and undefiled religion? What, what's pure and undefiled religion? All right. Visit the widows and orphans and their affliction. And there's an and there. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Sometimes we, we tend to pick one or the other. Of that, and focus on one or the other, um, but it's really a concept of of both here. 
that we're told pure and undefiled religion is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, I think it goes hand in hand with what Hiram was mentioning just a while ago. Why, why would James say that? Why would he say pure and uh, well? Pure and undefiled religion is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. It's showing compassion. It's showing compassion. And that goes right in line with what Jesus said. And the more compassionate we are with others, we're going to um, think less of self and think more of others. And that's that's always a call uh, for us. So as we look into the Word... We look at ourselves and we see, oh, we're not as perfect and as good as I need to be. And then we look at others in their affliction and try to help. But then the second part of that is to keep oneself unstained from the world. So as we have compassion um, for the world and as we have compassion for others and we see others that are lost and uh, need to um, hear the gospel, we need to be careful that we don't um, become stained uh, from that interaction. Any other thoughts on chapter 1? That's the biggie. Hear and do. Um, So that's that's the challenge. That's the homework assignment uh, we have. All right, we finished chapter 1 then. Uh, let's move to chapter 2. Chapter 2 is pretty challenging as well. Uh, let me get uh, someone to read verses 1 through 13 for us. So this passage is very straightforward, very plain. But a lot of times we want to skip over it. Uh, we want to uh, say that means something else. Or we, we want to apply the passage to other, other things. Um, and this passage does talk about the sin of partiality. And I think Hiram uh, dove right into this uh, quite a bit this morning. And uh, it's helpful for us to, to learn. And the key is sometimes we, verse 4 says, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Sometimes we have the tendency, and again, James is a very practical book. James is writing this to, to the Christians who have been scattered abroad. And what is he, he doing? He's targeting the day-to-day uh, challenges that we have. And the challenges that they had was these Jews were going out, and they were scattered abroad, and they were having to live among people that were not like them did not have the customs that they had, did not have the background that they had, and they were living among people that they were not. And his challenge to them was to make distinctions among themselves, or to not make distinctions among themselves, and to not show partiality. And so that was the challenge. Now, Our first question here is to describe the church buildings during this time that was written. What were the church buildings like? They were meeting in somebody's home. So just think for just a minute, we're not them, but let's say we are them and we're 
meeting in each other's homes, what would the assembly be like then in somebody's home? Somebody's sitting in the floor. Somebody's sitting in the good seat. Somebody's sitting in, we know what the good seat is. Uh, we all have a good seat. What's a good seat? It's the, the seat you normally sit in. Uh, I don't know. It, it could be good. It could be just old and raggedy, but feel good. Um, it, it may be one out of comfort, but somebody's sitting in the floor. And so uh, there may be somebody that says, oh, sit here in this seat. I'll let you sit in my seat. Um, and then somebody else, well, you sit over in the floor, and we know somebody sat in the windowsill, because in one case, because we knew he fell out. Um, and so um, this is the church building that they're talking about. Now, there are some here in, the, in this building that are cushioned, and some that are not. Um, but uh, I think the principle that he says here uh, rings true, that we have to be careful not necessarily um, where people sit, and that may be part of it, but the overall principle of not being partial. And so the question is, is does this still occur today? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well. I'm glad somebody clarified. I didn't know if it was a discouragement to keep you off the back or not, but I'm new here, so I'm just trying to figure that out. <laughs> but are there other ways that this occurs today? Sure it does. Sure it does. Sometimes we show partiality for several things. Now, your homework assignment, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Either Google or look up or go all through the scripture and look at what the Bible teaches about dress to church or dress to the assemblies. I'm going to challenge you. I'm wearing my jacket and I normally wear a, a suit coat at least to Sunday mornings. But I'm going to challenge you. Go home, and we'll come back next week, and we'll study it. But study what the Bible says about dress to services. I'm not trying. I'm not intending to show up next week in shorts or in my muddy clothes. But we need to look at what does the Bible say. We we try to hold the line on other things. Let's see what does the Bible say about dress. If you're really interested in the topic, how about Google, why did people start wearing nicer clothes to to church assemblies? When did that start? When did it start in America? It didn't start in in the New Testament. Um, Apparently there was some problem with it because there were people drawing distinctions here in James' writing to that. But... It, this this is a common problem that's propped up. It uh, propped up in the, the Middle Ages um, among churches. And then it did pop up here in the United States. So our challenge is um, to look at that. If you're real interested in the topic, dive into it and, 
help uh, share that next week. And uh, let's let's read this passage. The overall thing that we have to uh, gather out of this passage is what Hiram talked about today. And to make sure that we're not drawing distinctions where the Bible didn't uh, draw distinctions. We want to welcome. We want to make sure that we're uh, welcoming everyone into the services. And we're not drawing distinctions and forbidding someone or making someone feel comfortable and someone else not feel comfortable. Uh, we need to make all feel comfortable in coming to the services and to stay in God's Word. And uh, our challenge here in verse 10 is whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been has become accountable for all of it. So this is a strong statement uh, to say we can't just turn a blind eye. And I think sometimes we read James 2 and we think, well, all the pews are about the same, so we're not giving someone preference over another. But are there places in our lives where we are given uh, showing partiality uh, to one over another? Uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us today as uh, we leave. We thank you for the opportunity to hear. We ask that you give us the strength to do as we leave. And it's through your, your son's name that we offer this prayer. Amen.